what's happening, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Rapping with Reefum. I'm your host, Keith Burkelhammer. So today, I welcome Chris Cap, who is the owner of Aquatic Art, which is a local fish store in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. What's happening there, Chris? How are you? Pretty good, man. Thanks for joining. We're uh, we're, we're doing the show uh, an hour earlier because your schedule uh, you had a little hiccup there, so. Uh, we're uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna wrap hopefully um, by uh, by about an hour, maybe a little bit more than that, so you can get on your way. But I appreciate you uh, stopping by and chatting with us. So before we start chatting with Chris, I want to thank the sponsors of this live stream: Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine. Appreciate their support as well as all you folks out there that have been tuning in. And as per usual. Please uh, hit that like button so more people can find the stream. And uh, while you're at it, if you haven't uh, subscribed to the channel, do so. And that would be awesome. So, um, Chris, man, uh, thanks, thanks again for taking the time to, uh, to join us. How, um, how long have you been in the reef-keeping hobby? How many years? You know, it's a, it's a good question because I, I was thinking about it a couple days ago. My first saltwater aquarium was in 1983, so technically wow. 40 years, but it was not something that you would call a reef tank. It was a um, f flowing bryopsis field with a couple damsels in it with onyx <laughs> and oyster shell, and it, I mean, it was a train wreck. But I would say I started really doing reef keeping in the early 90s um, when I started thinking about live rock and corals and those kinds of things, so it really started about then. And, and so how, um, how soon after, you know, how many years were you in the hobby before you actually turned the uh, hobby into a business? Um, probably, I, I started the business in 2005, so I was probably in the hobby for about 10 years. And, you know, the reef keeping hobby, when you talk about uh, keeping fish and fish tanks, I, I mean, I made my parents take me to all the, uh, there was a place called South Broadway Tropicals here in Denver, and I would go get my African cichlids, and you know, I got a new Frontosa, and I was the most excited guy in the in, on the planet. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, aquariums, I don't really know why. None of my family, my parents didn't keep aquariums, but so it started back, way back then, and then um, and then reef keeping just the corals. I, I really, I moved out. I grew up here in, in Evergreen, Colorado, and then I moved out to California, Northern California, in the San Mateo, Foster City area. And I started, I moved my tanks out there um, and we used Catalina water and, and, and uh, kept a bunch of aquariums there and moved back here, you know, started another one and then finally found a, a, a gentleman um, that was uh, uh, keeping acros at the time. And this was in, you know, mid nineties, kind of about the same time that when I found, you know, really uh, got to know Jake and was a hobbyist for about 10 years and then got on a project and quit my restaurant job and started the business. So probably it was 2005 when I started aquatic art. Wow. That's a long time, man. That is a long time. It's a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the things, the mistakes I've made, if I had all that money, I'd be retired right now. So, uh, uh no question about that. So, uh, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I've, I've, we've all made mistakes as reef keepers. What, what were some of like the bigger uh, mistakes that you made early on? You know, I, I think the biggest thing was, I mean, just it, budgetary, you know, I, I would buy the cheapest pump and then it would go out or the cheapest heater and it would go out. And then, you know, those sometimes those things can set you back months uh, by not 
you know, having, and you don't have to buy the most expensive thing on the market, but just a solid brand. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that I, I look back and look at all the mistakes that I made trying to, you know, be cheap, you know, I, I mean, in a way, and, and, and some of that is cause I didn't have any money, but, um, and so now that I can do that and, and get good equipment, then I can really concentrate on other things and not having to chase my tail on a lot of things. So n- nothing real specific, you know, I built my own sump and my dog flicked his bone and it hit the sump and broke the seam and, you know, and then, you know, those kinds of things. And it's like, Oh my goodness, you know, get the shop back out. And, um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, there's, there's always, uh, some great stories, um, in terms of, uh, reef keeping. Hey, Evan, what's happening there? Evan Montgomery's in the house says, Hey, 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 Evan. hey, hey Chris, uh, He's not far down the road right now from aquatic art. Tempted to pop in on the stream. <laughs> yeah. He isn't. He, yeah, he's to the studio. It, they're probably 25 minutes away. So. Don't worry, Evan. I was going to give a shout out to Restock again coming up. Um, not this weekend, the weekend after. But we'll... Uh, we'll yeah, we'll, we're getting close. We're getting close. We're getting close. It's funny because I have a lot of vendors calling me and emailing Hey, we're going to be in town next week. Can we stop by the store? And I, I'm, oh, yep. There's another reason why it's restock time. Yeah, so. yeah. March fourth uh, and fifth. Uh, might as well give the uh, the plug. Reefstock um, dot show is the website for more information. So check that out. So yeah, looking forward. to it. Yeah. So um, Chris, you uh, you you shot a quick video <clears throat> of your um, of your store, kind of like a mini, uh, a real quick uh, tour. I'm going to show that right now. Um, yeah, sounds. Why don't great. you just kind of give everybody a lowdown that doesn't know about, um, you know, aquatic art? What what you guys are all about? Yeah, but we're, we're a, a local fish store, um, and we started off as a maintenance company here in in South Metro Denver, and uh, and like I said, in two thousand five, and so it's it's been a, um, a a fun journey. Luckily, I have a support a, a spouse that's very supportive because it turning your hobby into a business, um, wondering if that was what we can do, but we have a, a small, it's about 1400 square feet, um, facility. Um, we we have some renovations like we talked about. I'm, I'm redoing some things and doing it right this time instead of on a budgetary. Uh, but we, we sell a lot of, uh, corals and, and fish and, and, um, uh, it's nothing, not huge, but you know, we kind of really focus in on the quality, um, here, at least that's what we try to do anyway. So what would you say in terms of the percentage of, um, fresh versus salt water in that store? Um, we're a hundred percent salt. Oh yeah. We, we never did, um, any fresh, uh, I, <clears throat> I, I thought I, you know, I wanted to at some, at one point, and I've seen some beautiful planted aquariums, uh, planted aquariums, not planted yeah. aquariums. I've seen some beautiful of yeah. those too, but, uh, <laughs> uh, and I've really wanted to do that at, at some point, but we just don't have enough room. I, you know, any square footage that I have here in the, I have to get a new frag tank or, or something, um, some dry displays to sell or something, but I'd like to do fresh water at some point as, as a hobbyist, I think more than, than a business. Um, but I just haven't, it just wasn't for me in, in, in our location. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, that's, that's how a lot of people kind of started. I mean, that's how I got started on the hobby was, uh, was fresh water. And, and then, uh, you know, then I got into, you know, 
uh, fr freshwater planet tanks. And then I was kind of like, hmm, okay, that's growing some live stuff in the uh, in the tank. And then somehow um, I gravitated to a, to a reef tank. My father kept uh, fish only uh, saltwater tanks, so I don't know. Yeah, it's it's definitely a uh, a journey, but it's kind of a similar path for a lot of people. It's it is you know it, it, yeah I, I think most people start off with some kind of freshwater system and then move up to a, a, a saltwater. I don't know if it's to you know climb the fourteener or hit Mount Everest because saltwater is more difficult. And but I've seen some of those those planted. Uh, They're sick uh, looking, man. And, oh, un unbelievable! I don't I you would and that's why I kind of want to do it as a hobbyist. Because it's something I don't know, so then I have to find out. There's plenty that I still need to learn in marine systems, but the planet is like a whole different, you know, avenue for me. And and uh, so I, I may do that. Yeah, sometime it's very soon. cool. So uh, Reefkeeper is asking a question or made a comment. That I think we're going to talk about this anyway. Um, comment was the aquascape was awesome in that big tank, very nice. So before the stream, Chris, tell me what you told me. Yeah, I did it yesterday, and so um, we uh, I, I called Joe at, at Marco Rock, and he sent me a big bunch of of uh, and Marco Rock, and it's all shelf. Uh, and so we did it yesterday. I wanted to do something a little bit different on this time. Um, uh, some of the other videos that, that Jake and I made, we showed the the big tank, and and uh, we we just needed to do some renovations redo the plumbing, uh, add an extra drain. I, I plumbed in a, a UV and, and so <clears throat> I wanted to have a different look at it. And some of it is that I want to create a reef aquarium so people can enjoy it. And especially myself, because I'm a reef keeper first and foremost, but I also wanted to have a lot of room to grow things yeah. out because that's how I kind of make my money here. Yeah. So, um, and so something in between the two and, and, uh, I have a lot of corals from the, the main display here staged and I'll put them back in, but, um, it was kind of fun. I, I don't know how many times I climbed the ladder to get in and then out, <laughs> look, adjust one rock, climb in climb out. And, uh, my back definitely felt it yesterday, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I like it. You know, I, I stopped, slept on it, came in. I didn't make any changes today, which I'm kind of proud of myself. Uh, but who knows? I may be adding some later you on. You know why you don't need to make any changes? Because you're going to grow a ton, a shit ton of corals. So you're not going to be able to see the rock anyway, right? So that's the whole no reason yeah, to yeah, like, yeah. you know, tweak the thing. I mean, that's what I always tell myself. It's like, you know, if you do it right, you're going to you're going to grow the corals out. And um, I, you know, I think there's a lot of um, I, you know, I get into the whole thing too in terms of obsessing with the uh, with the aquascape. But I always try to like tell myself, you know what, it doesn't have to be perfect because the goal is for the corals to fill in the spaces anyway. Totally, and it was weird this time because I've never done an aquascape with all shelf. Um, you know, usually you have real reef or you have live rock in the past or, or whatever, and you have a few shelf pieces and you kind of put them in different spots. And this was all shelf, and so. It, it made me and and the other thing I, I didn't want to mortar too much of it in because in the past I've had problems with corals getting too big, you know, certain pests or different things. So most of that I can disassemble and it's oh. solid. Um, I was standing on a lot of it to make sure um, and it's rock solid, but I can remove a lot of it if I ever needed to or if I change my mind in the aquascape later on, I guess. You know, that um, that. 
that Aquasca- uh, Aquascape reminds me of, um, do you know Greg Carroll? He, um, I'm, I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah. he, um, I think he's got a similar uh, deal. In fact, I think Joe actually went to his place and, and either he helped him or he did the scape, you know, himself. I saw that video. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it was one of the videos I was thinking, well, maybe I should do all shelf. And I looked at that video and I kind of saw a couple others that I really liked and we'll, we'll see. And hopefully I don't change my mind, but I, I think it came out pretty good so far. Yeah, so. no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's awesome. So what's the plan, man, in terms of cycling that tank, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. What, so what, what are you thinking? You know, one of the cool things about owning a store is that I have so many tanks, so many sumps with live rock, uh, bio blocks, <laughs> all that in there. So um, we're going to use the uh, some turbo start. Um, we're going to have some um, some some of the bio blocks that I have in some of the other systems, and then the PNS uh, substrate sauce. Um, then we're going to use that and kind of hit it from all angles. Uh, I have a bunch of uh, ammonia that I'm going to put in and really try and do a, a, a quick cycle. Um, and I think that within a week I'll have some spring ride damsels that are in quarantine right now, and I'll I'll throw those in, and and then you know Marco Rock takes a little while to cycle and and get all the the leaching out, and so I'll I'll put the lights on, and and I think that probably within two or three weeks, I'm sorry, two or three months I'll start loading it up with corals, but we'll see. But it'll be predominantly Turbo Start, which is our number one. Um, bacteria we love fritz turbo start and the pns sauce and then some of the bricks that i have here it, but it i have stuff everywhere that i could just load up the sump and really you know get it really cycled quickly that's the key man it's like put as much of the live rock or whatever else you got the uh, the bio blocks in there great bearded reef paul says i think all the shelf looks great tried this uh latest system but had to incorporate some of the 15 year old fiji rock i had yeah yeah yeah, I have a tub at home. Uh, my neighbors probably hate it because it's outside, but um, it's all Tonga branch and these huge pieces of Tonga branch rock. And I'm so tempted to put some in, but I, then it would look out of place. But we'll see. When it, when we get a bunch of corals in there, who knows? Um, then it, everything changes. That That's the cool thing about reef tanks is that it's ever-evolving. It, it morphs, and you, you you have the right to change your mind. That's fine. Now, I think I heard you say that um, you're going to actually add UV, which you hadn't had before. Why, uh, why are you going to add in the UV to this system? You know, I just really, you know, I, I have used it. We have a, a, a lot of our coral holding tanks have it. Um, and I, I just really think that it's a useful tool now. You know, can you do it without? Of course you can. But I think it's a useful tool to, to do it. And and just to keep some of the bacteria count, uh, you know, it's it's a 57 watt. So if I get it, uh, you know, with the turnover right, I should have a little bit of help, at least with bacterial diseases for sure. And maybe a little bit of um, ick help with it. Uh, um, and I just think it's a good tool. It, um, yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also a good preventative measure uh, for dinos. You know, I mean, um, I, I started my last uh, tank with live rock and um i still got dinos on that thing because i i made i made some kind of big um changes in terms of how i was feeding the tank and all that sort of thing so dinos did uh, show up but you know uv and zapped it within a few days why are dinos everywhere now uh, i mean i get asked that question like six times every weekend about dinos um 
and I, I don't know enough about them to, you know, I know that we're getting our filtration good enough now that we're dropping our nutrients to zeros um, in a lot of cases. And that is, but I'm not a, a biologist or a microbiologist to find out exactly why, but it seems like it's more and more out there yeah. um, than it ever has been in the past. I, you know, I've been on the hobby for about 30 years myself, and <clears throat> I just don't remember it being an issue at all back, um, you know, 20 years ago, even like 10 years ago. It just seems like maybe, maybe like the last 10 years or 15 years, it's like yeah. all of a sudden it's, it's kind of like um, been, been a thing that uh, we all have to worry about. Um, it is. One of the things that we do here is that we have our, our, our racks, which are basically black egg crate, and we'll take them out and we'll soak them in vinegar, which we're going to switch to citric acid. But um, we soak them in vinegar, we take them to the car wash, power wash them out, and then we put them back in. And within four or five days, we have dinos in that system. And mm -hmm. so I'll hook up a, a temporary UV to get past that. But it, they're not, there's another tank hooked into that system and they don't get in the other tank, but it's just from that plastic. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, until that plastic really colonizes again, and it's probably the vinegar, which isn't doing us any favors that way. But I, I don't know. It's just weird. It, there's a lot of different things that go on. And the only common denominator is um, maybe not having the live rock and the, the biodiversity of the bacteria that we would ha would have had prior to 10 years ago. And then um, dropping our nutrients too low and, and just creating an environment for them to um, take over our tanks at times. So you guys do tank maintenance and all that sort of thing. Do you uh, actually set up new systems for customers? You know, if somebody says... We do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we, we take care of about... It's about 17,000 gallons of saltwater tanks outside of our building um, now. And we have, we've been really... Uh, it's been great because we've had some really cool projects, some really great owners um, give us what we need. You know, we have, I think, five or six tanks over 1,000 gallons that we care for. Um, and so we, we, and we're fortunate enough to be able to do the projects that we want to do and the ones that the owner understands that we have to use good equipment and things. Um, and so that's, that's been a really nice addition to our business. And, and that's how we started the first 10 years was really that. And we've really been working on retail after that. Gotcha. So when you start up a new tank, do you start it with, with dry rock or do you try to uh, find some live rock for the customer? No, usually it's dry rock. Um, you know, I give them the option between Marco and, and a, a product, uh, you know, manufactured rock like Real Reef or something like that. Um, and uh, and so most of the time, you know, depending on if they want the purple color from the get go and or the moonscape for a little while, you know, kind of that way. And and then we we get them locked in with bacteria. And and, um, and then usually I, you know, I ha always have some some marine pure blocks here at the shop that that are in sumps and we'll kind of quick cycle that way you know i um I, i'm having an issue right now with, with the tank that i um i kind of reset um uh, you know few, oh don't tell me i just reset my main tank <laughs> yeah no i so i used uh, the carob sea life rock and i don't mean to like bash the carob sea uh, uh you know uh, folks but um you know i think the uh I had it cooking in a Rubbermaid tub, like a 100-gallon Rubbermaid tub with established tank water for like um, half a year. But um, it seems to be uh, leaching phosphates. Is, is that an issue you've run into before with uh, live rock or uh, dry rock? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, those organics are really 
um, locked in there and it, they just take a long time to, to come out. Um, here at the store, we, we keep it, um, we have a live rock bin with dry rock in it. <laughs> so it's, it's hydrated. And so we soak it in there. So it, and the idea is that at least it's starting to get those out in, in our water here. And then when you put it in your established tank or starting a new tank, then you're not going to have as much of that leaching. But yeah, I think they all do to a certain degree. Um, you know, the, some of the manufactured rock, because of that purple color, I think we lose a lot of the porosity it, uh, yeah. in it as well. And, and so, and then what, what is the purple? You know, I mean, do we really know what the purple is? I, I, I've set up many tanks and I've never had a real bad problem with anything. So it's got to be okay. But is there something in there that we're not, you know, I don't know. Is it leaching something now? I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and, and plus, like, do you really think the, uh, you know, the purple is actually going to stay purple? There's something's going to grow on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really just for the first yeah. four months, really. Yeah. Um, and, and I can understand, you know, um, but, yeah, I, 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 you know, dry rock is what we have now. You know, yeah. and so that yeah. that's that's our option. So, so the the dry rock that you have soaking is that soaking in an established uh, in an established system, or is it just soaking in RODI water so the phosphates can leach out? We do salt water, um, and um, we're we won't put any like you know somebody drops off some live rock or something like that. It really has to completely dry out before we'll put it in that system because um, I don't, it, there's no aptasia, there's no flatworms or anything. There's really no organics in there except for what's leaching out. So, um, but I, I do believe that it helps um, kind of start that process of leaching some of those out. Um, so you can take, you know, an established tank and not have, you know, and change out half the rock if you had a big aptasia problem you want to get rid of or whatever, and not have a, a huge flux of nitrates and phosphates leaching out. But yeah, they, they all leach out. You know, um, and uh, you just kind of have to manage it until it's it's really colonized and and uh, and going from there. I really love live rock. <laughs> oh, I do. Yeah. Uh, my tank that I started up with live rock, you know, a couple of years ago it was like freaking bingo. It was like instant uh, cycle and just the corals are going great. And, you know, but uh, yeah, different world we live in for sure. Different, different. And and luckily we have a lot of the cool tools like the bacterias and and phosphate removers and much better protein skimmers so we can manage it um it's just not as easy it's just the pro how porous the rock is um helps with the, the colonization of different strains yep. of bacteria and and i just don't think that we're we haven't got quite there yet um and trying to figure that out all right, Chris. So let's let's talk about corals, and um, you know, one one. I like corals. <laughs> I I like them too. So <clears throat> you mentioned Jake. He um he he did a feature video on a, a pretty um incredible coral that you guys still have in the uh, the store, the Rainbow um, Splice. And I, I took a little um snippet from that video that he did and and before he passed he was like yeah go for it man snag uh, some of that video so um oh, cool yeah so i'm showing the uh, the video of this uh, rainbow splice colony i mean i've never seen a colony of the rainbow splice until i saw that video and and dude th this thing is just like you know when i saw that uh that video on reef builders i was like my jaw hit the ground i was like wow that that is the real deal man and there's no like blue light that's uh you know kind of um messing with that thing that's that's just looks authentic 
and crazy, you know? I mean, how is that possible? It's a it's a crazy coral, yeah. And and even the you know the reds in it are bright red and the green is bright green. You know, I mean it, it's even if you separated them, they would still be a, a real nice coral without the dual colors. But um, funny story, they, they actually, that came from one of my maintenance accounts. Hmm. And they were at Reefstock, uh, I don't know, it was probably four or five years ago, bought it from one of the vendors. I think it was Two Guys Coral at the time. Um, and I think it was a $1,500 three-quarter inch frag with dual colors, you know, something like that. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, why are you buying that? Now I got to take care of it. If you lose it, then it's on me. You know, I, I wouldn't pay for it, but, you know, I'm responsible for it. And we got it on a big, giant piece of flat rock and it grew and it did great for a long time, grew it out, grew it out. And then finally they decided to get out of the hobby. And so I bought all their corals back, and including the, the, that. So we brought it back to the shop, big colony, fast grower. Um, and, um, Every Friday and Saturday on our SPS flat, we turn off all the flow. So our customers that come in can look at all the corals and everything. Yeah. And about, it was probably about two months later, um, it RTN from the base. Ooh. And so it was, and we caught it right in the middle. And, you know, it, it's so top heavy that you couldn't see the base. And it was about halfway up the base, which was a couple inches long. We stopped everything that we were doing at that time. We fragged it into a million pieces, you know, and got it all and, and kept almost all of it. So we have a bunch of frags and some mini colonies going now. Um, but I think it was because of the flow where we kept it inside that tank and, and how dense it grew. It, it just had so much flow. It was right in front of an MP40. And then we brought it here and we didn't provide the same flow. And so we just had some Arcan soap. But we have it. I have it in some of our customers' tanks. I have a piece at home. You know, and so I've got it out in a bunch of different places and they're growing and, and, and they're doing really well. So what, what's what's been your observation in terms of the uh, the, <clears throat> the rainbow splice in terms of, um, you know, if you get a green frag, if you get a red frag, have you seen the other colors develop from those frags? No, no, unfortunately, we, we haven't. So we, we cut a bunch of, you know, when you have it. Then I cut up, you know, down the middle was all the cool frags. Of course, they have half green, half red. And then I had some red on one side and then a lot of green on the other side. Took all those greens and put them in a bunch of mini colonies. And they're not green, they're peach. And so you know that there's some proteins in there from that red, but they haven't developed into red. So ironically, about three weeks ago, I, have, I had one little red frag that had two little branches out coming outside snipped both those branches off took one of my green colonies and shoved it in there and it's a little tiny piece of red in amongst all the green and um and it took i was kind of expecting it to be white the next morning because i was not that careful yeah. when i did it um and uh and they're still going so now i have a new project maybe the new green growth right next to the red will develop red so we're i, I just don't know that coral very well so we got to put it through a bunch of trials and and see what it's going to do yeah i mean it that's it, amazing <clears throat> you know i have my my frag is um i got a frag a green frag from somebody and i don't i don't see any yeah. any uh hints of other colors i see uh reef keeper says uh i have a frag of the splice but it's all yellow not sure it will develop the other color time will tell yeah you know i guess it just depends uh, you know i don't think it will I, I don't think it will i think it has to have some red um and 
but we'll see. Now, so do you mind me asking what 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 what's the going rate these days for a um, frag with both colors versus a frag with one color? You know, you don't have to answer that question. question if you don't want to answer that question. <laughs> no, that's all right. I I don't know what the going rate is. I just know what we sell them yeah. here at the store. Um, I have one frag that has dual colors, and we sell those for about four fifty. Um, the the all green ones are about two fifty. Hmm. Um, and and then you know, I'd say, well, look it up online. I think you'll find that that's a pretty um, fair price for that coral. Um, so. I might have to snag one of those dual color uh, frags from you, dude, when I'm out of there, uh, out there next <laughs> uh, weekend. Oh, are you going to come by the store? You should, if you can come down, we're about, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes away from where reef stocks are going to be held. Yeah. But at least you yeah. can see my science experiment with the green one with the little tiny piece yeah. of red in there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and see yeah. Are you guys going to be open on Saturday? We'll be open on Saturday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, we're going to have to do, uh, you know, a rock, paper, scissors for who has to work and who gets to go to the show. Gotcha. But, um, I know I I'll win, but <laughs> then the rest of them can kind of do what they want to do. So, uh, but yeah, that's usually at Reefstock. I, I, you know, like last year I set up a wet display for Neptunes. I set up a wet display for Ecotech, um, our booth, our maintenance accounts, which our biggest account we do on Saturdays and, um, our retail store. I said, hey, I'm just going to not do anything except for go to the show and enjoy it. And uh, first time in 12 years, I haven't done a, a booth there at Reefstock or somewhere around 12 years, 10 years or something like that. But um, so I'm looking forward to it. I think it sounds like you deserve the break. I, You know, I kind of do. And plus, I made a promise <laughs> with my wife last year when I was crawling into the house after the weekend um, <laughs> that she was like, don't do it next year. I said, OK. So, Chris, what what about some other of uh, your favorite corals in terms of let's let's uh, stick with the SPS for now? What uh, what other um, you know what 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 uh, catches your fancy and what are some of the more popular um, SPS among your customers? Yeah, you know, you know, I I've had Oregon Tort for a long time, um, and uh, you know that's always got a place in my heart for for Oregon Tort. Um, uh, we we sell you know. We get, we're getting some some pretty good ones in from you know Bali Aquaculture, um, but you know I I have a colony of pearlberry that's always been one of my favorite ones of all time. Um, I like Millie's. We one of our service accounts. It's a it's a pretty good sized tank, and we have a uh, or a red planet that we've been growing in there for eleven years now. It, it's gargantuan, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's really more you know. I, I kind of get into now with growth forms more than I do color. Um, I really like the growth forms. And so some of the Hawkins Echinata, um, there's, there's just a lot of them that I, I really like mainly for the growth. Um, and, and, um, but yeah, it, really, you know, everybody loves tenuous and, and Millie's and I'm included in that conversation as well. I, I love them. Uh, but growth, yeah. Deep waters, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Millie's as well. I'm not I'm not totally into the the whole um, you know rainbow tenuous craze, but uh, I assume that uh, that's still pretty popular with your customers. It is, yeah, yeah. They just you know when they have so many colors in them, you know, or or more than two, you know, that um, the Walt Disney is still one of my favorites. You know, yeah. put that up against some of the other ones. Um, it it just the DNA there is 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 brighter. Um, it's just an, a really nice coral, but Walt Disney's good. You know, uh, 
there's just so many cool acro, you know, colonies that, and different kinds that you can, you can get, but pearlberries probably, if I had to pick one, I would say pearlberries probably my favorite acro of all time. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to Chris Mickley about this because he's got, um, he's got the OG uh, pearlberry and there's a lot of fakes out there. I've got a couple of them because I yeah. thought I was, I thought I was getting the original, but there's a lot of fakes out there. Yeah. Chris was in, in town, um, helping at the studio last week. Um, and, um, he came by the shop and he was like, is that Pearlberry? And he pointed over there and I'm like, yeah, it is. And he's like, yeah, I, and he started going, you know, how Chris goes. And, and so started telling a story. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it, it's one of my favorites. And, you know, some of them I've, I've lost four times, <laughs> you know, mm. I mean, I had a huge colony of Pearlberry and then cut a bunch RTN moved it, you know, those kinds of things. And, and it's always nice to get them back. And so I have another colony and, and I have them in some of our service accounts now, so I can kind of stockpile them in, in case I ever lose it again. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it is one of my favorites as well. I used to like grow that thing like a weed years ago and uh, I broke that tank down. And, and so um, I may have a, uh, an original one in the tank, but it's, it's, it's uh it's kind of turned a little green which um, made me uh, suspect that maybe it's not the real, um, real deal. But um, Meckley was telling me that he's had some of the uh, pearlberry frags kind of turn greenish before they start showing more of their uh, real pearlescent coloration. Yeah, yeah. I, in, when you see it and you put it next to some of the, the, the fakes, you, you, go, you immediately know. Yeah. Um, but it's hard when you don't have them right next to each other to, to right. be able to tell. So, uh, what about LPS? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> uh, flower pot, flower pot uh, corals, Alviopora, Ganiopora. That stuff has really taken off lately. You know, it really has. Last few last, last few years. Talk to us about that. I'm going to show again some footage that uh, um, Jake before he passed said uh, I could grab from his um, videos that he shot at your store. Yeah. But yeah. Um, talk to us about flower pot uh, corals. Yeah, you know, we had Jake and I had one. Um, uh, we had a mutual friend, um, and his name was Steve Herlock. And so we always had the Herlock Ghani and, and that was one that, that we've been cultivating and, and me more than him just cause I had a bigger colony, but, um, flower pots have really become, there's, it's unbelievable how many different color morphs are coming into the hobby yeah. now. And I mean, they've been in the ocean. So why, why haven't we had access to them before? And I think it's just the demand wasn't there. Um, because, you know, as you know, 30 years ago when we would get a Ganapora, um, it was a, I don't know the ex exactly the species, but you would get it and then it would start to recede from the bottom and, and then it would be gone. Then they got the bad rap of, of being a real difficult coral to keep. And that species was, but there's tons of different other species that are really easy, you know, that are fairly easy to keep. Um, and so they, they're, we sell a lot of the ORA red Ganapora you know, that's been around for a long time. One of my uh, customers down in Cara Springs, pretty close to us, um, grows them. I don't know, he voodoo magic something, but he can grow Ghani's like nobody's business. Um, and he brings them up and we put them in all of our service accounts because it's wavy, big, and red. Yeah. I mean, how can you, yeah. and not a, a you know, a, our, our BTA or something like that that's going to move around. And it's just, and they're not that hard to keep. There's some species that are difficult and some that are not. 
So in in the uh, in the video that just played at at the end, uh, it, it was showing you uh, fragging one of the uh, um, colonies yeah. and, and whatnot. So what um, is there anything special in terms of tips for people that want to try to start fragging Ghani's alveopora? You know, obviously you need a bandsaw. Bandsaw works so well that the skeletal structure of a Ghani is is not. I mean, it, you could use a Dremel too, but it's not that dense. Um, it's not a real dense. So a, a bandsaw, it, it really cuts pretty easily. And that was the one that Jake and I did that um, is the candy floss um, that came out of Jake's tank. Um, and we cut, I don't we cut 30 frags of that. It was a big colony to start with, and uh, but we cut 30 frags of that, and it's really easy to do. We like to use iodine in, in our, our, our water in the bandsaw um, when we're cutting a bunch of them. Um, uh, you know, so I'd like Meckley was talking about using, you know, a, a direct feed right on and then it just drains out. I think Jake did the same thing. I just use iodine in there and then I change water in between species. Um, and uh, but, yeah, that and the other thing that I've noticed when you're you're fragging them is that you frag a bunch, you put them on, um, you know, your frag plug, glue them on your frag plug. Um, we usually go back over after the glue is, has a chance to really harden up, and then we'll use a turkey baster and get all the frag um, water juice off it. Because and when we don't do that, they really have a, um, a a tough time getting that off, and then we we have more losses that way. So we'll go through and just pound them with a turkey baster, get all that stuff off, and it it seems to really work. So do you? Uh, so you you're saying that you put iodine in the uh, in the uh, water in inside the uh, in the band. So do you do any? Um, do you dip the um, you know after you frag? Do you dip the mother colony? Do you dip the frags in an iodine solution? Really, no. Um, most of the time, I do not. Um, I've been kind of working on um, more instead of an iodine solution. We're doing a little bit more potassium, mm -hmm. like the the reef, uh, the pulp labs. Um, um, name is escaping me, but basically it's a potassium dip. Um, and I think that, that, um, usually we'll, we'll, with the bandsaw, um, then as that we, you know, we frag and put them in a different container, I, I guess to answer your question, yes, that other container before we put them on the frag plugs, um, as they're staging from cutting to frag plugs, we'll, we'll do an iodine solution or a, a potassium, um, solution, um. And then, then put them in, and then they go right in the tank to harden, you know, let the glue harden, and then we hit them with a turkey baster. Yep, yep. Yeah. Then I usually don't dip them the next day or anything. I just, I don't want to put, we put enough stress already. I, let's just let them sit. If I start seeing, you know, no polyp extension or something like that, then I'll, I'll definitely go through a dipping process again. Yeah, I mean, I, I have not done a lot of fragging in, in terms of the Ghanaian Pora and Alveopora, but um, they are very resilient. I mean, I've got a bandsaw, and uh, I mean, you said you you fragged up, uh, you know, created 30 frags. I mean, you can pretty much like, you know, uh, cut and cut those things every which way. And uh, I mean, you could like basically have like a little, you know, uh, one half inch by one half inch square, and uh, you'll get, you know, some polyps coming out of that thing before you know it. Yeah, yeah. And I used to try and go around the polyps, and I'm like, okay, yeah. forget that. They're too small to go that. You know, it can, okay, I'll do it, but um, not. And so I just kind of go zip them through. And and, and then I, I try and cut them, you know, pretty pretty close to the tissue on the bottom side. Yeah. But uh, you definitely can go to, you know, they the, the structure of the polyp kind of does go down maybe, a, I don't know, 
sometimes a quarter of an inch. So you got to be careful with that. Right. But I want them to sit pretty flat on the bottom. Right. But uh, Great Bearder Reef says um, Polyp Lab Reef Primer. Is that what you're talking about, Chris? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> Chris, what about just general care tips for, uh, you know, flower pots? Uh, you know, I mean, you mentioned that they're pretty hardy and you don't have to do a lot uh you know, for them, do you, um, you know, feed the tanks that you have those uh, flower pots in Any, anything special that you would, you know, say to people that you should be doing with those corals? You know, I think that the main thing with them that I've found is that we, whenever you get one, you put it on the bottom. Um, even if you want to put it on the shelf, that's halfway up, you put it on the bottom and really let them acclimate to light when they, when they get too much light and they bleach out, um, you are in for a two or three month and probably a 20% chance of it recovering. So you start it on the bottom and then, you know, a gentle acclimation, maybe every three or four weeks, move it up a couple inches. Um, if you're ever going to change out your lighting and you're not sure about, you know, intensity or par readings or anything, then move the Ghanis down um, just so they don't get burned. Um, we do broadcast feed. Um, usually, uh, refroids, um, you know, some of the reef nutrition products. Um, and then we'll, we'll, in our coral flats, we'll target feed, not after cutting. We usually let them completely heal and before we, um, do that. Um, and then nutrients, um, zeros are bad. We've spent 25 years trying to get to zero and now we realize zeros are bad. So and phosphates and nitrates specifically, we just can't have them and Ghanis don't like it to be at zero no coral likes it to be no. at zero but they're they're a little less resilient to to having that down that low um what was i going to ask you oh so the um in, in terms of like beginners that are getting into keeping reef tanks and and you know new reef tanks let's say is is a flower pot coral something that you say somebody like that could put in a tank or uh do they need to kind of um start with something else before graduating to those corals start with something else um and and i think they have to learn their routine um, so we're not getting all these swings in water chemistry. Mm. Ghanis, some Ghanis can probably take quite a bit, but in a general rule of thumb, they, they can't take those swings like zoanthids can or, or leather corals or mushrooms or something like that. So usually the first, you know, when, they, when customers come into our store, it's, hey, let's start with, we, we need you to have some successes first. Then we go into Ghanis because usually Ghanis are a little bit more expensive too yeah. than some of the other corals. And so we want them to have some successes and get your routine, learn how to test, learn what is your water change schedule? What, you know, have you, is your skimmer working properly? You know, those kinds of things before we get them into any kind of Ghani or alveopora or something like that. Uh, Will M is asking how, how about when a flower pot has little to no extension, any recommendations on that? You know, Really, um, I would do, um, I would move it down and I would do um, some kind of bacterial dip, whether it's iodine or like the, the reef primer um, potassium dip and just see if it's any it's battling. But most of the time it's, it's moving it down. Um, Ghani's liked some flow too. I mean, it's not SPS flow, but we definitely don't want them in low flow. We want them in medium flow. And that's where we keep them in ours. Um, Plus, they're cooler when they're moving around, you know, a little bit more, too. For sure. Um, so you mentioned the uh, the um, the STN on the Rainbow Splice, and you guys just, um, you know, were very 
uh, on top of it, aggressive with it, and fragged it up into a whole bunch of different pieces to try to save the colony. Is, is that kind of like the protocol for you guys when you see a, an Acro RTN, STN? Yeah, you know, years ago, I would, you know, sit there and go, well, it, it should stop. You know, it, it's branch over here. It'll stop. And one thing I've learned is just go in there and do it and save the species. I don't know how many giant coral colonies that RTN completely while I was at work that day, you know, and so now we do it. And, and with the Ramos place, it was, and it was, it started from the, where normal STN would be from the base, but it happened within a day. So it was an RTN from the base kind of an event, not a environmental or not STN type of deal. So I was actually at my desk and I looked over and I saw white and I'm like, if that's not a snail, then we're cutting right now. <laughs> and it was not a snail. So the the bandsaw got out, the cutters, the glue factory. I had I think I had every employee. The poor customers that were here were like probably wandering around with nobody helping them, but we were gonna cut that right now. So um and it worked. We I, I think we lost like two pieces, so yeah. And cut like twenty five. So it is it is such a hard thing when you have a um a beautiful specimen, like a beautiful uh, you know, SPS colony and you know, you see like a little white, a, a little RTN, a little STN, whatever it is, and um you know, you're just like what you said, if you're hoping that it's just gonna stop on its own, chances are it's not gonna happen. It it yeah, Murphy's law is just waiting on our shoulder for anything to happen. Same thing holds true with a, you know, you have a big euphilia colony and one head's closed up. I have a quick trigger. I'll go in there and cut it and it, it's out of there, you know? Um, and I've just lost too many corals to waiting and seeing and I'll change the flow and let's check it tomorrow. And I just cut and, um, and I've saved, I think I've saved, well, I, I hope or I tell myself that I've saved a lot of corals because of that. You know, we've had a lot of discussions on this live stream about bacterial infections, and that's probably what's what's going on when you have an R10 or STN yeah. episode or, or you know, torch uh, head start to, um, or mouth, right? Jake would want to say it's a mouth, not a head um, for, yeah, for yeah. torch coral. Um, so we've been talking a lot about, um, you know, in-tank treatments with like Cipro or oxalinic acid. Is that anything that you've ever considered or have ever tried? You know, I, no, I haven't, you know, I've, I've used UVs. Um, I'm doing my research with it. I'm going to try and buy, um, Chris Meckley a couple extra beers. So he keeps talking about it. Um, I have restock and, uh, and I can learn some, but I, I haven't done any in-tank treatments. One of the things that we, the, the crew and I have talked about is getting a small 40 gallon tank here to always run Cipro or something in it. Um, and we can take those corals that just aren't opening up and giving them um, a lo much longer dip. You know, it's a, it, but no in-tank treatments that, that I've tried so far. Um, but I would like to do that and kind of have a quarantine tank, but a real aggressive quarantine tank. And it, it would have to be, a, you know, an elegance or a torch that's just really closed in or, or something like that. And then we put it in that tank and, and let it run. Um, I have done Cipro with um, uh, sunburst anemones. Uh, and um, I think it was mildly successful. Um, I think that I would have lost them if I didn't do that. But I, it wasn't uh, like magic 
a magic wand by any means. Well, I, I apologize for, um, for the folks that have heard me say this five times already in the past, but um, I uh, but I don't think you know this, Chris, but I, I did an in-tank treatment with oxalinic acid based on uh, Chris's, uh, you know, uh, recipe, okay. and, and um, it was successful. I mean, it was a, a, an established SPS tank that uh, had mature colonies, and I had episodes uh, over a few months where I was losing oh. colonies, and some colonies were not looking good, and, and uh, I hit it, and it stopped. You know, mainly SPS yep, is that what your target yep, was? Yep, SPS. Yep. So, um, and I know somebody else had had success doing the same thing, and I know Chris has had success doing that. But um, yeah, he told me all about it, and I'm I'm, I'm really anxious to try it. And um, yeah, that, that's something on my list that um, that I, I think it could be a really good tool for us when you're looking at all these colonies, especially here. You know, we get we'll get a Indo shipment in and, you know, we'll get, uh, 70 corals in and, you know, the euphilias and some of those are not looking good, you know, uh, bubble corals or, or something like that. And, and then you put them in and just like we were talking about, you know, I'm like, well, let's check it tomorrow. You know, I dipped it. So it'll be get better tomorrow. And then you have brown jelly and then where's that brown jelly going? It's going all over that system. Who else is it infecting? And and so if you have a whole intake treatment to be able to do that, I think it would be a great tool for us, especially in the hot in the hobby, but also us that are they're bringing in these wild stress corals and trying to get them to a, a sellable health at that point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, I'll I'll buy him four beers and I'll get the whole <laughs> recipe from him. So we'll we'll see. I think he told me that he was going to watch tonight, so we'll see. I haven't seen I haven't seen him or Amanda in the chat yet, but maybe they're uh, they're watching, or maybe that you know we're an hour earlier, so maybe uh, maybe I caught him by surprise. We caught him by surprise yeah, an hour yeah. earlier. They'll uh, I'm sure they'll catch the uh, the replay. Um, I want to be mindful of your uh, of your time there, um, Chris. We we have some more time, so we're good. Yeah, let's talk. Do you have other Yeah, I mean, yeah, and folks, feel free to drop any questions in the chat for uh for chris but um talk about the landscape of the local fish store uh you know chris how has it changed over the years you've been in you've been doing it for a long time what have you kind of seen in terms of changes you know one thing that i've kind of noticed is that i i think that there's two hobbyists out there two kinds of hobbyists and there's um and to answer your question, Facebook changed our hobby in a lot of ways. And so what, what I mean is that there's hobbyists. We have customers that come in that want a beautiful reef tank in their home so they can enjoy it. And then there's hobbyists that come in that want to buy corals so they can grow them and start their own business and have a little um, Facebook business out of it. And so I think that's a little bit of, of both. And and so I think that the hobbies change and to see a Colorado Sunburst selling for $1,500 is crazy. Yeah. And the only reason that that is, is that I'd say, I would think that 90% of those people that were buying those Colorado Sunbursts are the ones that are reselling yeah. it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it drove the price in. So those are the people that, and, and the hobby needs both. I mean, it really does um, to keep afloat and keep going. It drove up prices, but it also got a lot of people in it to, to learn more about this, you know, and what they're doing. So I, I think that's the biggest thing is that it went from just keeping an aquarium to um, a business. And I, I'm, I'm probably guilty of that too. I started, I was a hobbyist and I started the business, but 
Me um, too. <laughs> and so I think that's one of the biggest things. Me too. Yeah, yeah. And you, 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 you know, you do what you if you can do what you love, you, you never work a day in your life. Yeah. So, um, and I, and I think that's what I found the biggest. Um, I think that also there's there's so much information out there, and a lot of it's right. A lot of it's um, consumed by uh, new hobbyists at the wrong time. Um, you know, they, they, they're skipping steps along the way. And, and so a lot of that information is, it's hard to decipher for people that, that get in the hobby. And, and we didn't have that when we started, you know, I'd pick up, you know, Julian Sprung's book, you know, and go to page 82 and figure out what kind of algae that is. And that's, that's all we had until we started getting some reef clubs and that kind of stuff. Now you can Google anything at any time and, and get seven different answers for the same problem. It is tough. There's a lot of information out there and, and, um, you know, a lot of people are not doing what you said, which is, you know, reading the books from, from the folks that, um, are considered the, um, you know, the experts on, uh, in, in the hobby. And, and, uh, yeah. So now, you know, anybody like me, you know, can start up a YouTube channel or whoever and, um, put videos out there and, and, you know, some of that information is not going to be the best, um, you know, information to consume. It's, it's all good information. It just may be at the wrong time, yeah. you know, and, and we talk about with new aquarists that come in, um, is that they'll get an anemone or, or, you know, scoli or something like that. And they'll go, what do I feed it? And I go, what's your DKH? And they'll, they won't know that answer. And I'll go, don't feed it anything. F- figure out your water chemistry first, and then you move on to the other ones, you know? And so just some of those things that, they'll see a video of somebody feeding a scully and then they'll go, that's how you keep a scully. No, you have, you missed about 17 steps before you get to that point where you can actually do that. So you mentioned Facebook and, and, uh, you know, hobbyists wanting to start, uh, kind of like, you know, there's a, there's a segment of hobbyists out there that are kind of like more in it to the, um, for the business aspect of it versus being more of a pure, uh, hobbyist. Is, is that one of your sure. um, biggest challenges in terms of being a local fish store? Is, is that um, segment of the hobbyist or are there other challenges out there that uh, just generally, um, you know, online uh, stores? I mean, there's a question in here, Sammy 31D, do you sell more dry goods or live goods? Um, you know, so I think that kind of dovetails into my question in, in terms of, um, you know, are, are the online superstores kind of eating into the, um, the dry goods that you guys do sell? Most definitely. Yeah. And, and it's not, you know, business is business. And so we have to be competitive as well. Um, and, you know, I think the one good thing that we have here is that you, you know, if you're going to get a, a XR15 Radeon, you can see it here and I can show you on my phone, you know, those kinds of things. And I think some of that is lost when you're online and looking at some of the, um, there's a lot of great videos. BRS makes wonderful videos. And, but sometimes people need that extra step to be able to get to that um, and so we can display those things. We can explain it. We can show it in action. And, um, and, but yeah, the, the superstores have really, you know, it, it's, it's become more of a market to where I think that, you know, Denver's a, a, a medium sized city. I think that we can't support 25 local fish stores, you know, but I still believe that there's a real need for, you know, 10 to 12 in, in the Denver market and, you know, bigger markets will have more, but um, it's just too easy um, to be able to get online and, and, and get those items, which I think it's great. I, I shop Amazon for stuff myself, you know, um, but 
it's nice to have, you know, a few key local fish stores um, where people can really come in and be hands-on and see it in action. Yeah, I mean, I wish I had some local fish stores near me. I mean, I live in Vermont, you know, pretty yeah. much uh, in, in um, you know, middle of uh, the Green Mountains. So it's there's there's not a lot for me to uh, to go to in terms of local fish stores. I mean, Boston, you know, that's that's about uh, over a three hour drive for me. But I, I, I wish I had some local fish stores around. I, I think that's, you know, I used to live in um, in the New York area in Westchester County and I used to, um, you know, have a lot of local fish stores around there, mostly in in, in Connecticut. There would be some, but I used to love going to local fish stores and just checking out the corals and checking out the fish and, you know. Asking questions and looking under the sump, in the sump, what do you got in there? And, you know, those kinds of things, you can just really observe things. I I miss going to the local fish stores here in the Denver market. I always feel weird about going in to scout the, the competition or anything, but they all have something to offer, you know, some more than others, but they all have something to offer and it's just it's good to be around people that have the same mental disability like I do about keeping reef aquariums in, in Colorado at, you know, 6,000 feet. So, um, it's fun to, to talk with them and trade stories and things. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that, that, you know, that, and that's the whole thing. It's, it's, um, you know, they're a great place to kind of meet like, like-minded people. Right. Um, yeah. I think frag shows like restock are the same deal where you can kind of go and, um, <clears throat> just have an opportunity to, to see a lot of people at one time in one setting, which is, which is great. But yeah, I think, um, and, and having like local, uh, reef clubs, those are, um, so, so important. They are. And they're, I think that they're really struggling right now because once again, you know, Facebook and, and, um, you can get a lot of your information. You don't have to go to these meetings and, and, uh, Denver's kind of gone up and down with with reef clubs and it, it kind of builds up some speed and then kind of simmers down for a little while and and um i think that we used to go to these reef club meetings to trade information because that was the only other place you could get it especially because some of the reefs you know the local fish stores were not progressive enough they they were kind of you know under gravel filters still and those kinds of things so you had to find that information somewhere else and now we can get it on online anywhere you want um and uh so i think that the reef clubs are struggling a little bit that way do, do you guys have any um reef clubs you're, you're you're sort of uh working with in terms of um you know trying to uh help each other out them driving customers to you and you, and you driving people to them yeah um some you know um we uh I've been involved, you know, not as much in the last five years, I would say, but um, we had the Rocky Mountain Reef Club, and then we um, it changed uh, to the Marine Aquarium Society of Colorado um, called MASK, and they do some some projects, uh, some frag swaps and that kind of thing. Um, just tough when the attendance just isn't as, as the way it used to be. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we do some. Um, I probably could do more. So, you know, it, it's, it's got to be tough in terms of running a local fish store. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that, um, you know, with all the, uh, the maintenance accounts and, and what have you, you have a, a pretty decent crew that's running around taking care of other people's uh, tanks and, and what have you. Um, if you had more time yourself, what would you be doing yourself? In like terms of uh, non non aquarium, no, no, yeah. no. I mean, you know, in, in terms of at at the uh, at the store there, if you had more time to do something, what would you be doing? 
You know, and, and, and luckily lately I am finally staffed. Um, you know, it's been a couple of years since we've had a good um, level of staffing. So, so here at the shop, my biggest thing was to do some renovations. We talked about it earlier. I, I want things to be done the way I know that I can do them and, and done right. And so we're going through some renovations here at the store to redo some of the frag systems. I'll do the fish systems here in a little bit. Um, really just to try and get things to where it's a well, well-oiled machine and we're not putting out fires here and there. Um, working on trying to, you know, increase survivability rates with incoming fish and, and corals. Um, it's being a hobbyist, you know, we lose a, a batch of Bengay cardinals or something like that. It bugs me and I, I have to figure that out. And so I really want to take this time to try and go dive back into our systems and go, how do we get this to where it's a real well-oiled machine so we don't have as much losses? Not, not, and it's not just profits. Of course, that always comes in, but it's living creatures and taking care of them um, through the best we can. So right now it's about streamlining everything and doing it right like we should have done 10 years ago when we didn't have the money to do it yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Chris Meckley, uh, finally joined the stream. I said we, uh, we started an hour earlier, so maybe that's why he, uh, uh that's probably yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. My, my daughter's, uh, um, high school swim banquet is tonight. So, uh, I cannot miss that one as we discussed. So I, I appreciate you letting me come on a, an hour. Oh, uh, no, no, it's, 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 uh, not a prom at all there. Uh, Chris, thank you, Rob of Stay New York for that. Super chat, uh, late fee, huh? Oh, okay, that's the comment. <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Um, what else I want to? Oh, so, to, and just in terms of like macro type of things about the hobby, uh, Chris, what uh, what really encourages you about the future of our hobby? You know, I think um, I think for a long time, our hobby was stealing technology and, and things from aquaculture and, and maybe the freshwater world and everything. And I think, I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago, I think our hobby finally got to a point where we became innovators. And I think that it's really, um, we've, sh it's shown up in a lot of the equipment, the lighting and all the things that we do. Um, and, and I think that you see these companies that come out with some of the, 3d printed uh things that i you know how do they even think of that yeah. thing you know and and just that innovation i think is what i'm excited for and what's to come um and help us you know the the recipe for keeping a reef aquarium is is a simple recipe we can get all of our numbers we know what the numbers are how do we do that and how would how do we do it consistently for a long period of time and that's the hard part um, you buy a tank and you're excited for three months and then you let it go and you skip water changes. And, and I think that some of the equipment, uh, I'm excited to see what some of these brilliant minds are coming out with, you know, with, with new things that we can use to, to keep things, um, much more stable and, and increase survivability rates. Um, we have corals that have been around for 25 years now and I, it wasn't like that. We would just rotate them out when the new shipment from the local fish store would come yeah. in and you'd change out the ones that you lost. And, and now we're keeping them generations and, and it, it's really cool that way. How much technology do you guys employ at the, uh, the store there? Do you have the, um, the automated, um, you know, monitors and, and controllers and stuff? Do you lean on that stuff pretty heavily or do you just uh, medium. medium? Medium. Yeah. I, 
I have some. I have a Neptune Apex on my system. Um, the good thing that we have here is that we have somebody here every day. And so we don't really have to rely on off-site monitoring that much um, because yeah. if somebody's on vacation and an employee's here. And so, um, you know, I think that some of the, you know, I, I'm, I have a um, the cage keeper from Refactory that I'm going to hook up here soon and, and try it out. Um, a lot of my employees have Apex and Tridents and those kinds of things. But here in the shop, we're pretty still pretty old school as far as um, a lot of that monitoring. Um, but I, I do know that there's some sources out there that I could I could be tapping that that I'm not. And, and uh, I think that's part of my renovation here at the, at the store is to try and get some some better equipment. Do you, do you guys do ICP testing? Is that something you do on a regular basis or have you not really dabbled with ICP at this point? Um, you know, I haven't dabbled in it except for when I'm having issues that I can't explain. Um, so I definitely use that. Um, uh, I want to start filling in some of the gaps uh, that I think with the, the major and minor trace elements that I know that I'm doing. I've always run activated carbon. I know that's an issue. Um, you know, we sell out of some of these these aquariums and, and how much water are we changing over and what's the replenishment rates. Um, I have some tritons here. Um, and so... Uh, um, I, I usually do it about every six months um, when I'm starting to kind of get an idea that something's funky yeah. and I need to figure something out. You know, yeah. wait a minute, H is okay and everything's, the lighting's the same, so what, what's going on here? Um, but some of the ICP, I, I, I think it's an incredible tool that we have now. Um, it's really cool to be able to go, I have no idea, well, let's do an ICP and let's at least answer those questions too. You, do um, do you guys dose any uh, trace elements, or are you pretty much just lean on water changes to kind of like replenish trace elements? Mostly just water changes um, here right now. Um, I would like to get a little bit better um, of of doing it. You know, I've always been a, a big, you know, if you're if you're dosing something, you should be testing for it. Um, and so I, um, I have an I have a bottle of replenish that I um, from Brightwell that I'll use occasionally but not enough to really get on board with it because I don't, I can't test for that stuff. Um, you know, we do, uh, not the, the major minor trace elements, but we do use, um, uh, a lot of Neo nitro and Neo yeah. Um, one thing we found is that keeping it between 10 and 15, especially the nitrates is the one we, we do the most. Um, it really helps with, um, coloration here at the store and recovery from shipments and things. So, um, we've been really heavy on that. Yeah. Bert Minch, uh, says, um, I need an easy to use inexpensive phosphate total controller that uses no, uh, reagents. I'm waiting. Yeah. It's, it's kind of frustrating. I, I think in terms of the, um, being able to get an accurate read on phosphate these days, I mean, it, you know, there, there's, uh, you know, people, uh, have their test kits that they like to use and, um, you know, I've, I've used ICP and I've, I've actually taken, um, samples at the exact same time and shipped them off to two different ICP companies and gotten different results. Pretty, pretty crazy yeah. different results for the phosphate. It's, um, you know, and I, and I think I dose phosphates now, you know, I've been dosing phosphates for the last several years and nitrates and all that stuff. I think nitrates, we got a pretty good handle in terms of what those levels are in our reef tanks, but I, um, I kind of got a pet peeve with, um, getting a real accurate read on phosphate. I mean, what, what do you guys use in terms of trying to, um, you know, it's Hannah checkers, yeah. you know, I mean, 
you know, that's really the 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 best of 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 the group that we can use here in the in the store. Um, I and it, to answer, I've had some of the same experiences with ICP as well. Is that you send it off and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right, you know? And and uh, and it, I I don't know, you know, accuracy is something that you I think you have to pay for, and so I'm sure that there's a, a good way of getting an accurate phosphate reading somewhere. Um, but you just, it's not going to be in a $40 hobbyist kit, you know, um, the, the, the margin is too, too wide there on, on some of these tests, but, and then, then you have to ask the question, how accurate do I need to be with phosphate, you know, and, and to a certain degree, do I really need to be that accurate or do I need a ballpark? But can you trust the ballpark? I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a tough call because if you uh, start dosing too much phosphate, then you might uh, have an algae problem. And if you're not uh, dosing any and uh, you you're bottomed up, then, then you're going to see it in the coral coloration. Yeah. And your dinos come yeah. screaming out at, um, or, or that's a possibility of it anyway. But. So Chris, um, you know, getting close to wrapping here, you know, so, so you can uh, make sure you get to your, um, your, your daughter's uh, banquet there. Um, yeah. um, what would you say your, 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 uh, top three tips are for folks that, you know, coming into the shop or maintenance accounts that, um, are kind of like looking to get to that next level in terms of reef keeping, what would, what would be your advice to somebody, uh, like that, that, um, you know, wants to kind of step up their game a little bit and that's had some, some success, but you know, not, the success that they were hoping. You know, I think the biggest thing that we tell people when they come in is that, you know, everything, and you can debate which, where those numbers lie, but everything has a safe zone, you know, and we like to hit like decage at nine and it's right in the middle of the safe zone. And for hobbyists that come in, the goal is to keep those water chemistry parameters as steady as you possibly can, you know? And so we go in the middle of safe zones, you can go up and down if you run out of, you know, the product they're using for dosing a cage or whatever. But your goal, what we think is that your goal is to keep it in that safe zone and keep that, that swirl up and down as flat as you can possibly be. And the longer you do that, the, the more those corals are gonna react to it understand what their water chemistry is and that's when you start seeing there's a lot of other factors but getting water chemistry to stay very steady um and i think that's when and it takes a while for people to to figure out how to do that how to what um what equipment they have you know how to tune in that protein skimmer how not to do too much and once they figure that out for a long period of time i think that's when the successes come up and and to write stuff down you know, log it in one of the, the apps or just write it on a piece of paper next to the tank. So you have some kind of history of, of, of those things. And the, by forcing you to write it down, then you um, are going through all the steps you need to, to make sure it's in that zone. Yeah, I've got like probably a dozen pages of, uh, of a log that um, I've collected <clears throat> over the years. And, and uh, yeah, you never know when you're going to kind of like leap back through it. Yeah, all of our surface accounts, we'll do a, a dry erase whiteboard and we can go on there and we'll put all, you know, if we change the calcium reactor media or we, you know, DI resin or whatever it is, we can just write it on there. And it's history that you can go back on and you can see, you know, fluctuations in water chemistry or 
issues that happen with corals or any of those things you, to have that history, I think is really important. Yeah. All right, man. So I think we're going to, uh, we're going to wrap it up. Any, uh, any final words there, Chris, before we uh, sign off tonight? Not really. I, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing whoever's going to come out, you know, for restock and, and having the time to be able to actually sit down and talk, yeah. you know, with them instead of running between booths and making sure that there's no leaks at this or that or whatever. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you having me on and, and, uh, um, it'll be great to, you know, have restock and, and, and see, you know, Windsor and, and, um, really try and make it a really good experience for everybody. And, you know, kind of not the last, uh, you know, restock that'll ever happen, but, um, you know, this is kind of a special one because it, it was driven by Jake for so long. And, and I think it'll be a good tribute to, to be there and, and be able to talk to everybody and trade stories about, you know, Jake and, and different things. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no, me too. I mean, when, uh, before Jake passed, he was talking it up and talking it up and I was like, all right, I guess I got to come out to restock. And, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, meeting a whole bunch of folks, including you, uh, firsthand. So it should be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, so obviously if, if anybody's out at, uh, restock, check out, um, Chris's place in the uh, Highlands ranch area. And if you're, uh, I guess, uh, not at restock, but you're in Denver area another time, check it out then. Right. Yeah. I'll be wearing this shirt so you can come over and say hi. <laughs> so, uh, my, my Colorado yellow tang, um, shirt, uh, but yeah, we'll be cruising around and, and just talking and, and enjoying it. So. Yeah. All right. And one more plug for restock. That's uh, next weekend, March 4th and 5th. Go to uh, restock.show for more information. So I want to give my thanks again to Chris for being on tonight's live stream. And I also want to thank both Bulk Reef Supply and Ecotech Marine for sponsoring the live stream. And also all you folks out there that were tuning in and um, contributing to the chat. Thank you very much. Also a big thank you to Paul, the moderator, who is also the president of the Boston Reefer Society. Please join and support your local reefing clubs. They are so important to this hobby. I also want to give a shout out to Cornbread Custom Signs for this awesome uh, custom-made, handmade uh, wooden sign behind me. That's a cool that sign. Is, I it's, like that. It's, 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 I'm digging it, man. It's, uh, I, I wish you, get, you could see the detail, but uh, it's wood. And, uh, yeah, they, uh -huh. they, they did a great, great uh, job. You can actually check them out on Instagram. Um, cornbread custom signs or on the web at cornbreadcustoms.com so um finally I let you all folks know that all episodes of rap on the reef are available as podcasts on spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher and amazon my next rap on the reef bum live stream i'm not going to have one next week because i'm going to be at uh restock will be on thursday march 9th at 7 p.m with shane danger coleman from sustainable reefs in australia another guest that uh that Jake recommended I have on. He recommended I have you on as well there, uh, Chris. So um, getting all the uh, the recommended guests from uh, Jake on, it's should, should be a, a great show. Um, yeah, I get the Aussie um, perspective as well, which is great. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you want to check out the full upcoming schedule of guests, just visit reefbum.com under the YouTube section. So until then, be safe, and we will see you next time. <laughs>